LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we are going to talk about something critical to every leader. One of the number one questions we get asked when it comes to discipleship is how do you help, how can you help me? get my team on board. How does a key leader lead his people to make disciples? How do you, if you're leading a women's ministry or a men's ministry, children's ministry, whatever it is, how do you get the people that you lead, your team, if you will, whether they're volunteers or staff members, how do you get them having a mindset of discipleship? Because not everyone does. You know, we talk about discipleship, but a lot of times we get a lot, we get pushback. Oh, you guys just want to go meet in a room and talk about the Bible. You know, yeah. sadly, it's still the case. Sing songs and uh, pray. Song. And <laughs> you just want to go pray and memorize seat. scripture. Yeah. Uh, but how do you change the culture of your church by shifting the mindset of the people on your team toward discipleship? Okay, so there's two challenges that uh, every leader walks into. Okay, two situations, two, two, two set of circumstances. Number one is this. You walk into an environment where the word discipleship is a foreign concept. They don't even know what discipleship is. Well, there's so many reasons behind that. Think about it. What, what is discipleship generally in a church? It's a class on a Sunday night. It's eight weeks of going through. Listen to me. Let me curriculum. just say this. Can I say something that is a pet peeve of mine? Absolutely. What bothers me more than anything, and, and this is a personal thing, it is. It bothers me when I drive past the church placard out front and I see Discipleship Training 101 Class 6 p.m. Sunday night. Number one is this. Discipleship is more than a class. Discipleship is more than 101. Discipleship is more than meeting once a week. Because here's the thing. If you boil discipleship down and say it's this class, then your people think, if I go to this class, then I'm a disciple maker, and now I can go on and make disciples. Well, think about what a class means. A class means I'm going to learn something, and then the class is going to come to an end, and I'm going to have achieved whatever that is. Yeah, the class, Yeah, you develop a level of proficiency, okay. and diploma, when you've mastered, you right. listen to the thing, listen to this, you never receive a master's degree in discipleship. Right. You don't you don't become a disciple maker and then you're done or for even life. a bachelor's degree for that matter or a bac- or a PhD you don't <laughs> receive a right, PhD in right. discipleship. Here's how to say you want to you want to know a great concept of think about discipleship. This is a good concept I've thought about. Um, in fact, Bill Hull and I talked about this years ago, uh, and Bill teaches uh, at Biola. For those who don't know Bill Hull, he's a good friend. R- encourage you to check out his his work. Um, Bill and I were talking about a class he teaches at Biola. Okay, so he's out in California. He's teaching this class. The first day of class, the students come in. They sit down, and he says, this is a very different class than any class you've ever taken before. We're going to learn not only discipleship, but we're going to learn how to make disciples. And so the way the class works is this. There are 15 weeks in the class. You're going to come in every week, and you're going to take notes and learn information. And then outside of the class, you're going to have an hour of two assignment that you're going to then take someone in your life and you're going to pass on the information you learned from the class to them. 
So you'll learn from me. You'll teach it to them. On the final day of class, week 15, they're going to come in and take the final exam for you. Like that. (laughs) Changes things a little bit. You're not going to take the exam. They're going to take the exam. Not based on how much you know, but based on on how much you pass on. Now, when the class freaks out, he says, okay, according to uh, SAC's accreditation, we can't do that. But the point is... Uh, he's showing them how discipleship works. Discipleship is not, don't miss this, how much information information you learn and absorb. It's how much information and transformation you pass on to another person and you process and assimilate into the life of another person who in then pass on who in turn pass ons who in turn pass ons for the glory of God. Yeah, it's basically living your life with other people as you engage with God's word and and kind of live it live it out. In other words, it's not just the the information you're sharing. It's not just passing on that info. It's holding each other to a, accountable to living out what what we've learned. You know, it's one thing to learn a uh, an issue, learn a topic, learn some great new insight. It's another thing to allow that to impact your life and then to have people hold you accountable to that. Ooh, that's good. So the first context is they don't have a clue about discipleship, or they think they're making disciples in Sunday school only. Okay, that's the first context, and that's the majority of what you're walking into. But there's another environment that you're walking into where you're going to have a bunch of people who are doing, quote unquote, discipleship. Okay, And discipleship takes on many different forms. You'll have one-on-one discipleship. You'll have large group discipleship. You'll have discipleship in the home with video series. You'll have discipleship through Bible studies. You'll have discipleship through curriculum. Many different forms of discipleship. Okay, So those are the two challenges you'll walk into. Let's take the second first. Okay. What I've realized is this, you have to move as fast as you can, obviously with, with, and you can discern this, as fast as you can to get everyone on the same page with discipleship, okay? What I mean is this, you can't have three or four church-endorsed ministries to make disciples in your church. Here's why. People are going to get confused by the plethora of options on a menu, and they're going to think, well, I guess I can go with this group and make disciples through video series. We're going to watch the, you know, Francis Chan video series or the David Platt video and all probably good stuff. But again, that's not in a sense disciple making because you're sitting passively by while someone lectures to you. Or let's do the curriculum discipleship. We're going to go through Operation Timothy. We're going to go through curriculum. We're going to go through a, a, a leadership book together. Again, that's good. But the problem with the, that model only is you're reproducing curriculum. Okay. The the other model, we're going to do one-on-one for reaching people with evangelism. We had a, some ministry here at Long Hollow when I got here. They were saying it was discipleship. It was evangelism through storing, which is good, but it's not discipleship where you're reproducing this. So here's what we had to do here. When I came in, we had a bunch of different options. Okay. So I took the core leaders of those groups. We had two to be exact, really two big ones. And I brought them together individually. And I said, tell me how you're making disciples. Okay. The first guy told me, and I said, that's not really discipleship. That's evangelism, which is a part of disciple making, but it's not discipleship. Here's the problem. They weren't producing disciples who in turn made disciples. They were producing consumers who in turn turns to church members and church attendees and church spectators. I mean, I think today, and this is a whole nother topic. I think today we have gotten satisfied in the church 
with celebrating numbers of a bunch of consumers that never do anything for God. Well, they act like consumers. You, you say that all the time. Why are we getting mad with our people who are consumers when we've created a mindset and a culture of consumerism? That's how we want them, and now we're wondering why they stay that way. <laughs> it's, it's a great it's a great uh, You win them with the consumerism approach, right. and you get mad at lowest them for common, Yeah, lowest bar possible to get you here, lowest bar possible to make this thing look like it's a huge success because the numbers are so big, and then those people are not bought in, and we wonder why. You know what impresses me more and more and more? And more as I get older, it's not how big's your church size. Listen, Jesus showed us, with all due respect, Jesus showed us in the Bible, anybody can draw a crowd. The Pharisees drew a crowd. The Romans could draw a crowd. The Greeks had the stadiums and the in the games and the theater. They could draw a crowd. But to create a movement of people who are on mission. That's a little bit harder. To well, do. it reminds me of a question I heard at a conference I was recently at. Really good question. And, and it was basically this. The questions we ask determine our point of focus. So when people ask you the question, the fir- very first question you get when you first meet somebody related to church, yeah. um, how many of you guys running? Yeah. <laughs> how many of you guys running on a Sunday morning? That, that's kind you of know the question. my response to that. Is? What is the focus of that question, though? I'm about to I'm about to judge you and equate everything you do based on how many people you're able to gather on a Sunday morning in a room. Is that why Christ was that whole question (laughs) is fraught with pride? Oh, exactly. Absolutely. Because here's here's what that question is. Let's take that question apart. Number one is in my mind, I have a number when I'm running. Which, which honestly, at times I've been around enough megachurch pastors to know that number is not correct, to be honest with you, because you can start manipulating the number to be anything you want. So well, that there is one famous pastor who had the 10% rule. At any given time, 10% of our people are roaming the hallways or somewhere else that we can't count, so we're going to add 10% to our number every week. Dude, Actual listen, that's true, not true even th- funny. That's method. not even funny. Some of you are laughing and say that's the craziest thing. I've heard multiple people well, count numbers, Colton, by adding whatever the weekend number is, you add 10% to the number because we couldn't count them in know. the service. They're, they're in the parking lot. You know, so, you yeah, I mean, golly, yeah. there's got to be 10% roaming around. I'm telling you. The whole system. Listen, Leonard Ravenhill said this. When Jesus comes back, he's not going to cleanse the pews. He's going to start with the pulpit. Ooh, easy, easy. You want to see revival? Let's start. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about today, though. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully. I'll tell you what we need to do is take a brief break for our sponsor, and we'll be back in just a moment. Have you been looking for a way to train your church to make disciples? Our team here at Replicate, Robbie Gallaty, Candy Gallaty, Tim LaFleur, Gus Hernandez, and myself, Chris Swain, have put together a digital discipleship blueprint. We've taken our live event that thousands have attended, thousands have been impacted by, and we put it together so that you can get it and watch from the comfort of your own church and show this to your people and use it as a training tool. You will learn how to plan, formulate, and develop a disciple-making culture in your church and its ministries. You can check it out at replicate.org slash buy blueprint, B-U-Y blueprint, replicate.org slash buy blueprint if you'd like to check out the digital discipleship blueprint. What guides your core beliefs? Are they founded upon solid truth or are they based on others' opinions or your own emotions? What you believe about your purpose and value affects almost every area of your life. This is the premise of the new film Overcomer in theaters August 23rd. It's the latest from the Kendrick Brothers, makers of Courageous, War Room, and others. This movie has inspired the creation of several resources— 
For small groups, there's the Overcomer Bible Study. For individuals, there's a book called Defined. Both are based upon powerful insights from the book of Ephesians. Learn more about all the resources at lifeway.com slash overcomer. And we're back. We are talking about how to help the mindset of your people shift towards a focus on discipleship. And what we found is uh, we can we can really talk about this and talk all about all around this topic because we're so passionate about the fact that churches are not making disciples. Right. So you had a couple of contexts. One was uh, people that have no understanding of discipleship whatsoever, and the other is the people who have multiple things going on. So here's what I did. I brought the two guys in. I realized both of these ministries were separate from each other and different than the than the model I was going to bring in and implement at the church. And here's what you got to realize. There are different models to make disciples. We're not saying replicate is the only model to make disciples. There's a lot of great models out there. Here's what I heard years ago. Um, there's no perfect model. Some are useful. Okay. Although we would say Jesus has a pretty perfect model. He has a model. He and there are different something. ways to implement Jesus' Yeah, there's model. nuances to right, the model. Right. But the reality is there are different models to make disciples. You have to find what model works for you, and you have to stick with the model. Alignment is the key to success. Alignment is the key to effectiveness in a church. If and what you, is alignment? It's getting every ministry on the same page trying to accomplish the same goal. Yes. You can't have your children's ministry making disciples through curriculum. You can't have your student ministry making disciples one-on-one. You can't have your adult ministry making disciples in In other words, group. different ways to do it in different ministry areas, and, and then it's just confusion all along. That's not alignment. All around because okay. you're aligned. Here's the point. You have to take all of the things that are presently happening, if you have a bunch of discipleship ministries happening, and you have to say, this is what we're going to do, and here's where you become a leader. This is what we're not going to do. God has called you in that position for this time to be a leader. Leadership is tough, Chris. You have to take steps. You have to make decisions. You have to give up the the fact that people are not going to like you. Okay? And I'm totally fine with that. Everybody's not going to like you. (laughs) But some leaders are not. Some leaders sadly find their self-worth in whether or not they're accepted by others. And a lot of times that is the primary leader in the church. We've had, listen, we've had to make some tough calls in years past, and I'll just, I'll just be candid with you. BSF, great Bible study ministry. We felt like it was taking away from us making disciples. Is that a great ministry? Can people still do BSF Bible study? Yes. We're not going to endorse that here. We're saying if, we, if you want to make disciples, it's through a group of three to five reading the Bible. Uh, Precept with Kay Arthur. We love Kay Arthur. She's a friend of mine. Uh, She's endorsed books of ours. She's gone to my church in years past. We love Precept Bible studies. What we're saying is you can do all the Precept studies you want, but we definitely want you to be in a D group. And if you have to choose one, we want you to be in a a D group where you're reading just the Bible, memorizing scripture. You got to be decisive. Operation Timothy, great curriculum for a new believer if you want to grow in that. But what we're saying is if you want to be a disciple at Long Hollow, this is what we're going through here, right? And so that's what leadership is. A good leader knows what to say yes to, but he also knows and she also knows what to say no to, okay? So that's the first thing. How do you get your staff involved? You got to get all the staff on the same page. Now, what we do at Long Hollow is we try to get every age on the same page. That's why we get that's why we have this Bible reading plan called the F260. That's why we have this Bible reading plan called the F260 New Testament. We want every age from preschool to death, 
Okay, preschool, probably not death, preschool to senior. <laughs> that final graduation. Yeah. The first graduation into life and the final graduation home. Okay, that's the first thing. On the flip side, some of you are walking into a context where there is no discipleship. Yeah. I had a lady at one of the churches I pastored after a few months come up to me after church and say, hey, I'm 65 years old. I've been at this church for many years. You're the first pastor in my life who's ever used the word discipleship. I'm like, well, Jesus used it. Uh, in fact, in the Gospels, the word disciples used 238 times. 269 times in the Bible, but 238 times in Jesus' ministry in the Gospels. So here's what you do in that context. That context is you have to figure out a strategy, a process, uh, a pathway. And then you slowly implement the pathway by starting with your staff first or your leaders. So if you're in a small church, 60 people, like my first church, 65, uh, you don't have a staff. I had a part-time. You got volunteers. Key volunteer leaders. I had an assistant uh, who ran the office, and that was it. I didn't even have a worship leader at the time. I had a part-time one, but I had to let her go for a number of reasons. But anyway. (laughs) That's another podcast for another day. For another day. But the reality (laughs) is you start with a process, so you disciple your leaders. I discipled the, the seven deacons I had every month. And then I took three leaders and I discipled three leaders in the church. And so what you do is you start with the leadership, you meet for 12 to 18 months, preferably 12, and you invest in them and you trust God. Well, and I, being here at Long Hollow on staff here at the church, I remember when you came here, you started with that same process. You discipled the staff. And the challenge is people listening are going to think, okay, what is what do I need to teach my leaders so that they'll develop this mindset. And what you're saying is the same reason we do discipleship anyway is you have to disciple your leaders so that they understand and and develop that mindset. They have to experience it. Being with them is just as important or more as what you teach them. Them knowing your heart. See, pastors, listen, if you're a leader in the church and you're getting some pushback from your people, it's normally not because they're mad and being antagonistic and upset with you. It's normally because they don't know you. People don't know you as they don't know your heart. They don't know you. They don't know your passions. They don't know your walk with God. I'll give you one example. We'll close with this. I had a, I had a guy in my church who was antagonistic at times and kind of pushing back on things I wanted to do. Okay. He was the finance director and I was there. I was only there for a couple months and the previous pastor warned me. Now, this is a small church where, where Chris, you remember this church where the finance department, the finance committee, is a guy. <laughs> Actually, I don't remember this context because okay. happily I've never served in it. Okay. But I have learned a lot from church leaders who have. Okay. Some of you are there right now. If the if the committee, which is him, doesn't like what you're doing, you're toast. Hey, listen, we just approved to buy this. I didn't approve anything. Get out of here. Okay. <laughs> That's what normal church, some churches are dealing with. So the previous pastor told me, you have to watch out for this guy. He's not engaged. He's not supportive. He's against everything I did. So guess what I did? Instead of avoiding that guy, that's the guy I went after. I started to befriend this guy. I said, hey, do you want to meet once a week to study the Bible, memorize scripture, and pray? No. <laughs> that's what he told me. He said no. All right. I said, okay. A week later, I regrouped. I said, hey, would you like to go to lunch once a week? My treat. Yeah, I'll go to lunch. I'll hang out for lunch. You know, I'll definitely. Now, when that. you said my treat, did he, did he immediately, as the financial guy, go, wait a second, is that your treat or the church's treat? <laughs> 
Well, I realized I tried to. I, I tried, yeah, there was no getting. Yeah, there's no getting over on him. Hey, hey, uh, turn this receipt into the finance department. No, that's me. No, it was my treat. Okay, we started eating lunch together, and I didn't come out and say, "Hey, open your Bible. Let's study Genesis or let's study Matthew." I just started living life with him, and then I said, "Hey, <coughs> excuse me." I said, "Hey, you know what's impacted me? Learning Scripture." Why don't we try one? You ever memorize scripture? No. Let's try one together. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? So we started with that. Then we started reading the Bible together. Then we started praying together. Then we started spending time together. Then we started playing golf together. I wasn't playing golf much when I met him, but he was a golfer. I started playing golf with him almost every week. Guess what happened, Chris? You threw your back out. But I was later. No, no, no. (laughs) That's exactly what happened later. But at this time, I still had a decent back. This guy became the biggest advocate for me in that small church. Here's what he did. When people started saying, hey, I heard pastors trying to change the color of the carpet, which we did. I heard the pastors trying to get rid of the paneling, which we did. I heard the pastors not wearing a suit anymore on Sunday with a tie, which I did. I heard the pastors doing whatever. I don't even think he's following Jesus. I don't even think this guy's following the will of God. Guess who took up for me in the community? The financial guy. This guy. Yeah. This guy who was at one time against everything the previous pastor did became the biggest advocate in the church for me, but more importantly, for discipleship. He'd say, no, I don't think that's the case. He, he loves Jesus. I know that because I spend time with him. He, he's in the word. I know that because I'm eating lunch with him. He's loving his wife as Christ loved the church because I watch that in him. I hear the conversations. I spend time with him on the golf course. This is a godly man here. And here's what happened. This guy became my biggest advocate. One of the reasons, if you're a leader in the church, one of the reasons your people are not supporting you and following you and advocating for discipleship is, number one, they don't know. See, when people say no, watch this. I learned this in sales years ago. When people say no, N-O, They're not saying no. They're saying, I don't know, K-N-O-W. See, I don't know enough to say yes. It's your job as the leader to teach me more so I can K-N-O-W know so I don't say no. And he didn't know me and he didn't know discipleship. But when I left that church three, three years later, there was a discipleship movement that started. And one of the guys who helped me unbeknownst to him, spearhead the movement was the guy who was totally against the pastor before and totally against anything new in the church. And he became a walking billboard for discipleship. Wow. Well, let's wrap it up with that insight and remind everyone that we are part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network and our friends over at 5LQ Podcast, Todd Atkins and Daniel M. have some amazing content. They interview people like Scott Sauls, Paul Tripp, and Russell Moore, and they've also recently done some book breakdowns of books like The Advantage and The Four Disciplines of Execution. Just look up five leadership questions on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.